Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey joined by DJ today. And man, we had ourselves a wild kickoff to March Madness and... NFL free agency, but we're going to get started with March Madness, guys, because, well, DJ, our bracket picks. I don't want to talk about it no more. (laughs) Uh, Let's just say madness has begun, and madness is no joke. You think you know basketball, you watch all the basketball games, you do everything right, you pick all the guys you're supposed to pick, because that's what the numbers tell you to pick, and you get them all wrong, and it doesn't make any sense. Um but looking at the brackets, now, where, where they're at now, we are obviously getting into the Sweet 16, which starts on March 27th. And guys, if you don't already know what's happening March 27th, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, UFC 260 kicks off, and DJ and I will be calling it on ColorCast. So just a little, you know, not-so-subtle plug right there to check us out on ColorCast if you guys haven't already. Tune um, in, hang out, talk with us in the comments section. It'll be fun. Do exactly. Listen to it and tra- t- talk on the chat while you're watching March Madness if you want to. There's plenty of sports to go around. 
yeah, exactly. A couple of these games will be taking place later in the afternoon, so uh, you might be able to catch the tail end. It looks like the the Syracuse Houston game will actually take place at nine fifty five Eastern time on on the twenty seventh, which is five minutes before we go on air. So you guys could be watching that while we watch you while we talk talk about UFC two sixty and enjoy that. Save yourself some pay per view money too. We got you. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it enjoyable for you, but. Speaking of enjoyable, for some of these teams, Sweet 16 is going to be very enjoyable. Sweet 16 will be not, not so enjoyable for, for some. Um, and for us who built brackets, uh, I think we're holding on to one team for most of us, maybe two if you're lucky like I am. Um, I have two teams left to get to, and they both happen to be in my in my championship game, and that's Houston and Gonzaga are still holding on. Other than that, uh, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this. Looking at the matchups, the only one I got right is Gonzaga and Creighton. The rest of it just looks like a mess of red lines here and there. It's it's ugly. I don't like it. Yeah, so to your point, the Western Division, uh, sweet six, the Sweet 16 match, matchup, as you mentioned, number one Gonzaga versus number five Creighton. Obviously, I was very wrong on Creighton. I picked UC Santa Barbara to beat them to begin with. And on top of that, Virginia lost to Ohio in the first round. I mean, Jason Preston, talk about a stud right there in Ohio. That he, He's a guy we might have to prepare for on uh in on the next level if you will oh he'll um, get he'll be in the league he'll be in the league yeah no doubt and then creighton's hot shooting carried them over to, over ohio again um and that that was a fantastic game for creighton if you're a creighton fan if you're an ohio fan you're kind of just like wow so that's what that feels like huh <laughs> kind of funny in both of ohio's games the losing team had 58 points they won 62 yeah. 58 then they lost 72 58 so interesting yeah. little some some illusion there there's a weird there's a tie in there something it's it's March. Everything, everything we can find a we can find a tie, in, tie uh, something to tie in everything with all this madness. Um, but looking at the bottom half of this this bracket, no two seed, no three seed, no six seed. Oh wait, no, a six seed and a seven seed are carrying this division. We talk about it. We have obviously Oregon VC, VCU in that first round didn't play because of COVID. I, I mean, so obviously that happened. So that ruined our VCU pick over Oregon. They advanced, and then they beat up on number two Iowa, and I mean, they beat them up. They ran through them. I mean, it was Luca Garza scoring literally fifty percent of the team's points, then everyone else turning it over, scoring like what was the three starters with zero points, something ridiculous yeah. like that. Like, way to go for a team that's basically been top ten all year long. Like that was a putrid performance by a supporting cast to a fa- fantastic All American, multiple time All American player. So yeah, that was rough to watch. And Oregon, my goodness, they shot fifty percent from three for most of the game. Yeah, while flying insane. across the court while jamming it in space like it was some space jam junk so that was a shout out from oregon basically their first game of the tournament realistically yeah. they brought they brought the thunder and the lightning yeah they they iowa wasn't having any of that smoke luca garza honestly one of the saddest moments i've watched in recent basketball memory of a guy that's still playing and still has a successful career ahead of him but him walking off the court completely dejected after doing everything for that literally team, everything yeah it, that was the saddest thing for me like i teared up a little bit you know, as as coach for Oregon, you know, gave him a hug. You know, you know, gave him his credit. Everybody gave him a standing ovation. That was in the in the crowd. Even the players on the on the court. That was that was a fantastic moment. But it left a little tear in my eye, a little misty eyed, if you will. I was more concerned for the rest of his teammates in the locker room because if he wants to, he probably should have went after all of them. Thirty six of the team's eighty points by himself. Yeah. That is literally just under fifty percent in a second round NCAA tournament game as a number two seed. Yeah. Like that's I mean, unheard of. And then to lose by almost 20 <laughs> yeah. or sorry, by 15. So yeah, almost 20, my goodness. Like, Oh, it was that's ugly. A, that supporting cast should basically pay him their a quarter, portion of their salary for the rest of his life. 
Yeah, no on doubt. On top of his NBA money. And then speaking of an upset and, and it being oh, a blowout. Uh, first of all, let me go back to the first round and say we were both wrong on UFC. Uh, the Mobley twins are legit. Evan Mobley is definitely uh, that dude. And his brother is still that dude. <laughs> and we thought Candace they were on upset alert, but they showed like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe not so much. Yeah. And Eastern Washington did come out firing in that Kansas game in, in the other matchup. And honestly held him close until late. And then Kansas was just able to walk away with it. But not so much in the second round. Questionable too, yeah. Second round, though, I think we saw a little bit of, oh, so this is the Kansas we expected to see in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I had him go in the next round, going to the, to the Elite Eight. Um, or no, I had him actually, sorry, I had him making it to the Sweet 16 stage and then losing to Iowa. So obviously I get that very wrong. But man, what they just did to USC, what USC just did to Kansas, that 34-point victory, 34 points. It wasn't even that close. Like, that was embarrassing. Like, what I thought what Gonzaga did to Norfolk State in the first round with scoring 43 on him or beating him by 43 was just insane. No, what USC did to a blue blood in Kansas, I mean, it's not the on. year for blue bloods. I mean, no Duke, no Kentucky, UNC gets toasted, and now Kansas gets toasted. Like, true blues, it's not the year for them. But then again, I vote this year doesn't count because my bracket's terrible. So that's my that's my thoughts on it. But <laughs> I can agree with you on that one. I, I my my bracket's yeah, it's not looking so hot. Um, but let's let's just finish out this West. Obviously, we have Sweet Sixteen matchup: Gonzaga, Creighton, and USC, Oregon. DJ, who do you see getting through to the Elite Eight here? Well, I had Gonzaga winning, so that's the, the Gonzaga Creighton matchup with Gonzaga winning. So maybe that'll be the one saving grace. And then when I look at it, it's tough to pick between USC and Oregon. The Pac-12 has been destroying everybody, and both these teams are coming off impressive wins over really good teams. I'd probably lean a little bit more towards USC just because the way Oregon played. Like, good luck shooting that efficiently from beyond the arc as well as inside while dunking. Like, basically scoring a buttload of dunks like they were doing. So I'm going to lean a little bit more towards USC because I think their play style, like, it was a little more replicable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's hard to replicate what Oregon did to Iowa. They were absolutely on fire while locking down three of five starters to scoreless. Yeah. Like that, like good luck doing that again. Like, and like you mentioned, the Mobley twins, I think they're here to, I think they're here to make a statement. I think they're moving on. They're looking ahead to Gonzaga. I think they're going, I think they're, they're looking for that big matchup. And I, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as I, as you said, the Gonzaga is my national championship team as well. That's, that's well, what 90% I have of the countries as well too. Yeah, low hanging fruit. You know, it's what I do best when I when I pick brackets <laughs> and pick winners. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm obviously going Gonzaga or Creighton. But that three point shooting from Creighton when they get going, oh goodness gracious! Although with that said, I mean, I thought Oklahoma was going to do something, and I was joking jokingly talking about it as they started the game, and Oklahoma was holding them for a good, you know, up until they scored twenty, and then all of a sudden Gonzaga's like, no, no, no more of this. <laughs> this is my game now. You had your so. taste of success. Let's put an end to this now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely I have Gonzaga advancing there. And USC, Oregon, I'm I'm with you. I think I think USC does pull us out because of the Mobley twins. I mean, what Evan Mobley's doing right now is just insane. His brother is just there to be the Robin to his Batman or the Superman to his Batman or the Green Arrow to his Green Lantern. I mean, take your pick. Uh, uh, they're both superheroes, but Evan Mobley is just that much better of a superhero. I mean, Absolutely. It almost reminds me of the Lopez twins back at Stanford back in the day, too. That's what it kind of yeah. reminds me of for a nice little Pac-12 brotherly love. Yeah, 100%. And it's a Pac-12 matchup, and, and it's one that USC has had the advantage on all year. So that, you know, in, in basketball, it's a lot easier to win that many games in a row over somebody. So I think USC can pull it off. Um, 
just yeah, just neutral ground and all that stuff considered. USC pulls it off, so it's a USC Gonzaga matchup. And then USC Gonzaga, I mean, obviously, it's do you stick with Gonzaga or do you think USC holds them? No, probably, but we'll, we'll see after this round gets through. I, <laughs> I have no faith in pick, picking that far ahead anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. I, I don't know who I'd pick, to be honest with you, at this point in time. Uh, but moving out down to the East bracket, not as many upsets. There were a couple on the bottom half of this bracket, but we're going to get to the top half of the bracket first. Michigan handled Texas Southern like expected. No problem. On the other hand, LSU beating up on who we thought was going to beat them, St. Bonnie's. And yeah, yeah. Not really, I guess not really beating up, but advancing. Comfortably. I mean, 76-61, they did, they did beat them by 15. So it was, you know, it wasn't close, but it wasn't an easy game by any means. LSU showed they were a step ahead, but still quite a few steps behind like some of these other squads. So that was... Eight nine matchup, kind of what you'd expect. Someone's going to win, weirdly. Yeah, and then as expected, Michigan handled business in the second round game over whoever their opponent was. In this case, it was LSU. Um, we both expected that to happen. Uh, but in the bottom half of the top half is Colorado and Georgetown. I had Colorado winning. You had Georgetown winning, and Georgetown actually looked really good early, but then they became too predictable. Yeah, and Colorado's reigning threes at a ridiculous clip. Another that's kind of the story of this tournament is if you can get hot from beyond the arc, good luck, everybody else. Yeah, uh, it was what 96 to 73 in that first round game over Georgetown, and they did set the record for most three pointers in a game. Um, so obviously, that they did do something right. Um, on the and the other half of this brat, uh, this matchup, Florida State beat UNC Greensboro only by 10. This was a lot closer than the score g- gave it off, though. They made up for it in the second round when they went against Colorado, who wasn't setting the record for threes, and they won that game by nearly twenty. So I think they covered. I think they covered the spread pretty well in the second round. Exactly. Yeah. So that sets up a Michigan FSU matchup, one four, kind of what you'd expect numbers wise. That's usually how it should break down. But on the other half of this bracket, Colorado or sorry uh, BYU UCLA the five the eleven six matchup, one that we both thought that BYU could handle. Well, they didn't. No, not and at all. And UCLA took care of business after taking care of Michigan State on the play-in game. We talked about true blues. Well, this was the one exception to that rule for this season, basically. Exactly. A blue-blooded, 11-seated blue blood is what it takes for them to have a little success. Um, and then both of our, I think we both had these this team in the Elite Eight. Texas got upset by one point by Abilene Christian. I mean, Abilene Christian... Really, I did not expect them to hold to be able to play as strong a defense against Texas, considering the firepower for Texas. But they held them strong and beat them fifty three fifty two. That's a fantastic showing by them. Texas has a really rough history of choking the NCAA tournament in recent years, and I probably should have known better. But I just really like the team. But now I know better to never pick Texas to advance again. Yeah, I love Shaka Smart, but you're right. If they're, I feel like if they're a five or less seed, I'm no longer picking them. In the first round, exactly, and then same with and then same with UConn. Unless that they that just didn't look very well. Like that that didn't go the way I hoped. Good for Maryland. Yeah, yeah, Maryland the ten seed beating UConn uh, by nine, and then Alabama held off Iona. They did not look good early, but Alabama eventually figured it out. They they they've been playing cardiac kid all season. Um, figured it out. However, they did not have to play cardiac kid against Maryland. Uh, they oh, handled they business, handled uh, beat them ninety six seventy seven. And UCLA in the other game, 67-47 over Aveline Christian, which sets up a very interesting Alabama-UCLA matchup that, I'll be honest, I was not actually expecting. And this one's a little more dynamic of a matchup than, than most would expect. Uh, but we'll start with that Michigan-FSU matchup. DJ, who do you have winning that one? 
Once again, I don't want to pit that far ahead really anymore, but I'll say Michigan since I had them getting this far. UCLA, Alabama. I guess Alabama, just because this bracket seems like it's going to stay pretty homeostasis otherwise. So I guess we'll look at Michigan, Alabama, because it's terrible in football, but maybe basketball will be fine. Yeah, you know, I I had Bama losing to Texas in this round, um, but I don't see them losing to UCLA. I just, I don't know, I just don't. And I did have Michigan beating, it was FSU at the time. Um, so, ironically enough, FSU, Michigan, I actually picked one one right. I have one Sweet 16 matchup right, guys. We're good. Uh, Michigan wins. So, Michigan-Bama in the next round. We'll see how that goes. I am not hopeful at all, though. I'm preparing for an fsu UCLA Elite Eight at this point in time. <laughs> but moving over to the South, guys. Uh, Baylor handled business as expected. It are, are already in the uh, Sweet 16. And Villanova, much to my surprise, held off Winthrop. And the surprise team there, North Texas, the 13 seed, beat up on Purdue a little bit and got themselves into a second-round berth, but Villanova handled business against them. So that sets up a Baylor-Villanova 1-5 matchup. I mean, Jay Wright proved again, once again, he is he is still a quality coach, and he knows how to win in March uh, as long as he's not a one seed. So, who knew, who knew that one, right? Everyone has everyone has their magic number, and his is anything but one, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And in the bottom half of this bracket, Texas Tech took on Utah State in the first round, handled business. Arkansas State took on Colgate, much to my disappointment. Colgate did not show up in the second half of this game. They literally only scored... 12 points in the second half. They were winning going into halftime over Arkansas and then only scored 12 points in the second half and completely let me down um, in that one. And Arkansas moved on to the second round versus Texas Tech and then handled business versus Texas Tech, winning 68-66 in a close one over Mac McClung and crew, um, which was a little bit more surprised because I did think Texas Tech was a little bit stronger, but Arkansas proving that, you know, no, no slouch. But I think the story of this tournament right now is the bottom part of this bracket. And I'm not talking Florida, but I'm talking Oral Roberts. Oral freaking Roberts upsets Ohio State in the first round and then upsets Florida in the second round to set up an Arkansas-Oral Roberts 3-15 to matchup. I mean, did you expect Oral Roberts to do this? At this point, Ohio State is no longer allowed to call themselves the. You have lost those privileges. And the Gators are no longer allowed to Gator chomp. They have lost those privileges now as well, too. So Oral Roberts has taken privileges all the way down through. I don't think Arkansas has anything quite that obnoxious tradition. So I think I think this is probably where Arkansas, oh, no, they're no, no, run no. one. They have the Woo Pig Suey. All right, Oral Roberts going to the Sweet 16. They're, they're taking everybody with them. Every time, every time they make a three, it's Woo Pig Suey. And every kickoff for football season, it's Woo Pig Suey during the kickoffs. Well, I guess we're going for Oral Roberts now the rest of the way, just to take away everybody's mediocre traditions along the way. Yeah, and speaking of tradition, I am so curious. How did Oral Roberts find their name? And I, I obviously we don't I don't have the answer on hand. I'm not gonna look it up. Um I just want somebody to tell me what Oral Roberts came how they came up with this name. Because there's been a whole lot of suck and it's not from a team with Oral in their name. And that's surprising as well to me. I just want to know if the person who founded their name also found Moorhead State. Like, I just need to know if there's some coagulation here. Like, there, there's some teamwork going on here. But moving, so who it's do you gotta think? It's got to be something. <laughs> so speaking of them, do you think they could beat Arkansas and get to the next round? I've been expecting an Arkansas upset all freaking bracket. <laughs> so I'm going to say yes, because why not? It's it's March. It's madness. Madness is here. So give me Oral Roberts. And then on the top, I, I'm going to say Jay Wright got his team this far. 
I didn't expect Baylor to advance, so give me Villanova on the top to set up a five versus fifteen, because it's March. I don't care anymore. My bracket's been blown up. This whole bracket, the South Division, has screwed my bracket up completely. So I have no stake in this one. So give me give me the most interesting one, which would be Villanova versus Oral Roberts. But what about you? I had Villanova actually getting to the next round because I th- I didn't have them playing Baylor this round. I thought Baylor would trip up along the way, but so I'm gonna have Villanova going to the next round, just sticking with that. Arkansas Oral Roberts. I'm gonna lean towards Arkansas, but I I wouldn't even be surprised with Oral Roberts anymore. I would not be surprised, but I'm gonna say Arkansas puts an end to it at this point. <laughs> Hopefully, just somebody just puts us out of our misery. But so that would set up a very interesting interesting one for you. So you have Villanova Arkansas. I had Villanova Oral Roberts because at this point, why not, right? Um, and then in the bottom half of this, uh, the, the, in the, I say the bottom half, the Midwest bracket in the Midwest section of the bracket, Illinois, number one seed knocked out by Loyola Chicago, who I didn't think was going to make it, but you actually had them picked over Georgia tech. And you actually had them at this point. If I, I do believe um, I had Illinois beating them though. So that was the thing. Like I thought Illinois was going all the way. I didn't realize that Io Darusho Darushma was going to lose, was going to score nine points in a NCAA tournament game though. I didn't realize he's gonna shoot four for twelve and not show up as an all-American player. I didn't realize Paul Blart Mall Cop was gonna shut him down. Let's put it that way. Um and I didn't realize that and that that loyalty team is big of an impact. (laughs) (laughs) That was what that that, that's crazy. And and that actually clinches the Illinois rivalry, I guess. There I didn't know that was a rivalry, Loyal Chicago versus Illinois. But for the state is literally all I saw for Loyal Chicago on Twitter afterwards is like we own this state. This is our state now. Well, okay. Prove it, kids. Because um, they're going up against number 12, Oregon State, who you actually had picked this. I, I didn't have him beating Oklahoma State. I thought thought Cade Cunningham was uh, was going to do something useful. But no, no, he, he did didn't not have show a good up. tournament, unfortunately. This was not the Cade Cunningham tournament that you and some others were hoping for. Yeah, you, and you said it too. You said, you know, he's a young guy. It's usually built for those junior, senior guys to make a name for themselves. And, well... Good on you. You picked it right. And Oregon State, this team has been shooting absolutely lights out all tournament since the beginning of the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, it's been absolutely crazy. And Oregon State's really well coached, too. I think that was another underrated prospect about them, too, is they have a really well coached team. Exactly. And so this one's going to be very interesting. Loyal Chicago versus Oregon State. And in the bottom half of this bracket, another double-digit seed versus the team I have in the championship – the only team I have successfully going in this bracket mm. is Houston. The team I keep saying nobody wants to face. So far, I'm right. 87-56 over Cleveland State and 63-60 in a squeaker over Rutgers. Rutgers wanted the smoke. They just didn't, they just kind of ran out of lighter fluid. Yeah, they ran out of the they ran out of the fire extinguisher to shut that to shut that fire down. Thankfully, um, so hopefully Houston versus Syracuse. Hopefully that would be a good matchup. Buddy Bayheim has been absolutely outstanding, as you mentioned before before the tournament started in our prediction video uh, or prediction recording. You said he he probably has a good good tournament, and so far he's needed to to beat a quality team in San Diego State and a quality team in West Virginia. I mean, they only got by they, they squeaked by a three point victory over West Virginia, but yeah, they made it this point. I didn't think they were getting by West Virginia. I, I expect them to get by San Diego State because of Buddy Bayheim, but the West Virginia one's a pretty big win. Like that was that was kind of surprising, and I think that could propel them a little bit too. I think that could help them get by Houston. Yeah, yeah, that could be a very interesting one. Well, let's stop at the start at the top of this bracket: Loyola Chicago versus Oklahoma or versus Oregon State. I keep wanting to say Oklahoma State because of the O State. It's going to kill <laughs> me. But 
here we are, eight versus twelve. Loyola Chicago versus Oregon State. DJ, who's your winner? Loyola Chicago is just they're a giant killer, but Oregon State's no giant. So give me Oregon State. I think they continue to ride the hot wave and they take one step farther to take on Syracuse. I think Buddy Beheim. It's the way this tournament's going. There will be no other one, two, or three seed besides maybe Gonzaga going forward. So give me give me the fun matchup of Syracuse and Oregon State, the orange battle, if you will. All right, a 12 versus 11 seed. So you're That's not giving Sister Jean. You know, a Sister Jean is a giant slayer. She already took over the the state of Illinois. That's got to run. It's going to run out of steam here a little bit soon, a little bit too. Yeah, I mean they are playing in Indiana, so it's not Illinois. But maybe she's trying to take over that whole little Midwest circle right there. And in order to do so, she's got to beat some teams that might be there. Granted, there's not very many teams from the Midwest left in this bracket all around. So basically dead. So yeah. <laughs> um, so that pretty much leaves out everybody else. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but for me, I have a little Chicago taking this top half of this bracket. And I'm going to stick with my pick of Houston because it's the only other team. Ironically, it's the top left team and the bottom right team I have that are still successful. Those are the teams in my championship. I'm hoping they keep continuing that up because I don't know if I can if I can handle it if I lose everything in my bracket. Uh, I would not hear the end of it from, from some of our fellow uh, podcasters who we have a bracket challenge with, that's for sure. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, Houston over Syracuse because as much as I, I like watching Buddy Beheim play, give me Houston. That team is still terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we got a lot to, to expect to come up this weekend. It's going to be a very interesting weekend. Um, for basketball, I mean, like I said, this takes place over the 27th and 28th. So you're looking at Friday, or you're looking at Saturday and Sunday. Very interesting matchups all across the board. The last game it looks like is actually going to be the USC Oregon game, which might be the more interesting six seven matchup really uh, for That's to end, the one to on end paper it on. That has the most intrigue. Like, oh, okay, like two very evenly matched, two very hot teams coming into exactly. And the first one, ironically enough, Loyola Chicago and Oregon State. So two other very intriguing games. Um, so it's going to be very exciting, guys. Uh, so stay tuned for that as we get closer to that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, really, any other storylines you want to talk about about this this tournament so far? Because this has been kind of crazy. I'm just trying to delete this tournament from my memory, honestly, too. It's nothing but pain and misery. Yeah, you, you're probably not the only one. I think the NCAA also wants to delete this from their <laughs> memory, or at least the women's side of the tournament, considering how much they've messed it up. Um, but yeah, this has been... a. Very interesting tournament season, as last year they didn't even have a tournament to begin with. So this has been, uh, oh crap, what do we do in a COVID season? And so far, thankfully, not too many COVID issues. Only the so one. So far, just VCU kind of screwed it up, but all they did was propel Oregon to possibly an Elite Eight appearance. So Oregon should send them maybe a fruit basket or something. Uh, Nike, maybe send them a Nike care package. Um, Nike, do you want to get on that? Maybe make them a Tier 2 school? Hmm. Just They're saying, I mean, they gave you an Elite Eight berth, might as well. Um, I mean, just kind of pull the stuff you have out of the garbage behind Nike headquarters. It's probably better than 90% of the schools anyway. Just said that to them. Yeah, just take Iowa's jerseys from this year and give it to VCU. They're the same color scheme. Just change the change the Cornhusker to a, or a Hawkeye to a, to a VCU uh, Ram. Yeah, you might have just pissed off a lot of people there to come calling the Hawkeye a Cornhusker. They're comparing the <sighs> they Iowa can, to Nebraska thing. With. They can tuck it up with their three starters that didn't score any points. Um, they have to take it up with those guys first before they come at me. Um, yeah no, i don't think it yeah i mean the, they a have a point. better chance about coming at me first but they do the three stars let's be honest but yeah that's my answer to them what um, if luca garza comes after you though with his 36 and 9 i'll hug that man and be like i'm sorry man i'm sorry 
And then I hope you end up a Sacramento King because, yeah, that type of low post presence would be fantastic. Uh, but then what do they do with Marvin Bagley? I mean, like they've already they're already talking about trading him at this point in time. It's I don't know. <laughs> I here play to... play Luca at the five and and Bagley at the four. I, at this point, I don't know. I just. I, I don't know. The Kings Look, we could go on and on about the Kings and how miserable they make you, but this is only about a 55-minute-long show, so we don't have time for that. You're right. So speaking of that, guys, we are going to jump to break real fast. You can hear a message from our part, our network partners, Fanatics and Fubo TV, and we will be right back. What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the High Low Sports Podcast. You know, if you missed the brand-new news, we have partnered with Fanatics.com. So if you're in the market for a brand new t-shirt, brand new hoodie, brand new jersey, no matter the team, no matter the player, no matter the sport, Fanatics.com is your place to stop. Not only does this help support our podcast, but it helps support the entire Onion Sports Network. Check the link in our bio or go to OnionsSN.com. I'll be having DJ in the High Low Sports Podcast. See ya. What's up, everybody? It's Kelsey from the High Low Sports Podcast, and we recently partnered with Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? Fubo TV is a service to broadcast live TV over the internet, no cable required. Watch your favorite teams, network shows, news, and movies on over 100 plus channels. You get channels like CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. You can watch all the games. So go ahead, click that link in our bio, and get started on your seven day free trial. And stay tuned to some more great programming right here on the Unhinged Sports Network. And welcome back, guys. As you just heard, Fanatics and Fubo TV are our network sponsors. We also want to take a moment to shout out our other two sponsors, Dr. Squatch, who, by the way, just became the premier, a sponsor with UFC, which, by the way, we are doing UFC 260 on Saturday, presented by Dr. Squatch. So be sure to check that out, guys. If you guys haven't already checked out the link in our bio, do so. DJ, you just ordered some of the show. What do you, what do you have to say about it? Smell like a man. You feel like a champion. You can't keep the ladies off you. It's amazing. Even even the men like it too. So ladies, feel free to get some for yourself as well too. I mean, you can't really go wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, look, if you smell like pine tar, a guy's about to probably fall in love with you because obviously you're doing something right. Not 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 you, DJ. Obviously, I'm talking about if a female bought it and smells like pine tar. So <laughs> I was thinking a pine tree, a pine tar. I mean, this isn't baseball now. Like, well, no, they have a pine tar soap. Have you not seen that one yet? Oh, well, yeah. that's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's actually, well, it's actually smell, it actually smells like pine tar. So with baseball season starting up on the first, why not? Sounds like a home run to me, but. <laughs> and our other, our other sponsor, guys, if you guys didn't already know, Everlast, the premier clothing brand and equipment, equipment brand for all of your martial arts, boxing, and wor- workout needs. Uh, obviously, this has been a brand that's been going on forever i don't think i could I, I there's a single day that's gone by of boxing that i don't see an everlast logo on something boxing forever so, last so it's a pretty efficiently named exactly yeah i mean you know dj used to train mma back in the day and you know what was that was that the brand that you always saw or was there something different ever pretty much the primary brand everywhere you looked no matter what for the most part too so it's definitely the premier combat of training equipment for sure yeah definitely so that's always something, something to look out for, guys. If you guys haven't already checked those out, those links are in our bio, obviously. And go check it out. on. Just click on the Twitter. Click on the link tree. And it'll take you right to each link. And just click them, out, click them on. And anything you guys purchase there goes back to us and kicks back to the network. Helps us create great content and helps us upgrade our equipment. So eventually, you know, we'll actually not sound like... Well, you'll, we'll sound a little better. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> That's the goal. Uh, but getting off free agency... Obviously, this has been a crazy free agency period since it started on the 17th. 
we are now mid, almost the end of March, and there's been some absolute baddie signings, including one team that never signs anybody in free agency, at least not anybody of note normally, but the Patriots just going on a spending spree. I mean, I, I'm starting what? to think Bill Belichick got his stimulus check in tenfold right before all of us didn't he? Because he unloaded all of it. I want to know what type of stimulus he's getting too to be able to afford some of these guys. You're talking Ted Karras, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, Matthew Dudon, Raekwon McMillan, re-signing Cam Newton, Dietrich Wise. I mean, Hunter, Hunter Henry. Henry. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? What did I miss that Bill Belichick is all of a sudden like? You know what, guys? We're gonna just sign everybody. I'm I guess tired the perks of, of having a quarterback for four million too. You're like, oh, well, I could spend the rest everywhere else then. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, they are saving a whole lot of money on Cam uh, re-signing there. Also, not really giving Cam much of an excuse um, going forward. There's you have all the weapons now. They've brought back their two tight end system that's made them so famous, obviously in their in their in their careers. Uh, at least you for look the at John and Smith too, like. John Smith runs like a receiver. I mean, he's a big-ass receiver, basically, the best way to break him down. You could do a lot of fun stuff with him. Line him yeah. up in the backfield, end of rounds. Like, he gives them a lot of versatility. Exactly. And and returning back, actually, to the Patriots is somebody in the middle linebacking core who has plenty of experience playing for that team, and Kyle Van Noy. Uh, he's also be, he'll be returning to the Patriots. Um, Henry Anderson. Nelson Aguilar, speaking of receivers, also another receiver returning to the Patriots. I mean, and there's literally you'll get bring him in too. And you get Trent Brown, Brown returning to the Patriots too, the right tackle. The Raiders significantly overpaid a few years ago. Now you trade now you trade a fifth round pick and get him back for a discounted deal, basically, since the Raiders are taking the brunt of the cap hit. Yeah. They, this the is... Patriots just they might have won the free agency. Doesn't mean that means they win next year, but they definitely won free agency. My goodness. And let's not forget they also got David Andrews back, which I thought was one of the stills to be able to get David Andrews to come back. I did not think he was going to be returning to the Patriots after all their signings early. I was surprised they let Joe Tooney go too, considering what he's been to them. But considering everything else they got in return, I think I guess it's a fair trade-off considering how much Joe Tooney got from Kansas City too. Yeah, and I think one of the more underrated, underrated signings the Patriots have made so far. And you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but Devin Godshow, uh, obviously coming up from the Dolphins, the defensive tackle, hasn't really been much so far yet in his career. But if you ha- if his career at LSU is anything to go off of, he obviously he's only been playing for two th- two years now. And- he definitely gives them a big presence in the middle. They don't really have otherwise too. Like yeah. the rest of their defense coming along strong, they drafted a lot of guys last year. I think this gives them that big presence to deal with the run and just clogging up gap lanes too. Exactly. And then speaking of teams reloading, obviously the Buccaneers had a lot of question marks on their hand um, as far as what they're going to do, and they filled two of them really early in Levante David resigning. And Shaq Barrett resigning. Uh, honestly, we I didn't know if they were going to be able to get both of them to resign. If we're being honest, uh, and then be keeping Chris Godwin too, like that. Pretty much everything besides Leonard Fournette, they were able to keep. But I don't even know if they really want to keep Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and the other one obviously still is uh, whether or not they're they're going to resign An- Antonio Brown, um, which is a question mark because now there are teams like the Seahawks linking to him. Which, well, Russell Wilson linking to him. The Seahawks are like, really, Russ? That that's who you want? We have t- you have Tyler Lockett, David Moore. No, not David Moore anymore. And DK Metcalf. Yeah, well, no, Russell, no. Yeah, exactly. Besides, you're gonna drop back and then start scrambling before the rush even gets there and run into sacks and complain about getting hit if we sign him. Yeah. Now I gotta ask. We gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta come down to a debate on this one. New York Jets or Miami Dolphins? Who do you think has done enough so far? 
to retool their team because one of the more to me, I think one of the more underrated pickups in free agency has been the Dolphins signing of Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, he's a former Colt. He's also a former Patriot. As a whole, the one thing that's never been questioned with him is his leadership ability. And you pair him with two in that in that quarterback backfield. How they had you know Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe they continue the same thing. I think this is a very good match. At the very least, he employs in he'll he'll put some some leadership on Jacoby or on Tua from Jacoby, and I think that that could that could you know wear off, or he gets some playing time and and exceeds what even Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to do. But I will say, if Tua has any sort of struggles like he did last year, Brian Flores has shown to be pretty quick with the trigger and Jacoby will take over and he will win games with that team. They are built for his skill set, similar like what the Colts had in 2019, but even better defense, a little more game manager friendly. If that makes sense, Jacoby's not going to blow you away with a lot of those big time plays, but he will win you some games. He, you mentioned the leadership intangibles underrated mobility for a guy who ran so slow, but yet in the NFL always seems to be a scrambling type guy, yeah. strong arm, good decision-making does not turn the ball over almost to a fault. Cause he, doesn't push the ball as much, but two is not pushing the ball either at this point. In fact, two is kind of getting, he looked a little gun shy at some points. You mentioned how as soon as he started moving, the defense came sprinting down because they knew he wasn't going to throw over their head. Jacoby will try and throw over your head. If you leave a guy wide open. Oh, he, you might not even need to leave him wide, that wide open. Jacoby has that arm and he is not afraid. To well, he's got it. the arm as if he'll be willing to rip it or not, but if they leave yeah. him wide open, he'll rip it 55 yards and back. go. Oh, look at that. Devonte Parker wide open in the end zone. That was easy. Yeah, and to finish the point about the Jets versus Dolphins, Matt, like who did better so far? You talk about Jets on 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 day one and two, who they signed: Carl Lawson, Justin Hardy, Gerard Davis, Corey Davis. Just just by the end of the 18th, they they already signed. As I mentioned, Jacoby Brissett signing with the the Dolphins, and then on top of that, they add in Malcolm Brown, the running back. You add Robert Foster, the receiver, Justin Coleman, corner, Matt Skura, and. Uh, you're just like, wait, what? what what's happening now? Joiner too, like, yeah, Keith and Carter as a backup tight end. I mean, I think the Jets got the better. Of, I agree with you on this one. I think the Jets definitely got the better of the signings. Although Jacoby, that might be the best individual signing if he ends up taking over for two. That's very interesting. Yeah. So there's there's been lots of signings over there in that East. It, it makes you kind of afraid if you're in the uh, in the AFC East to really. Who knows what's about to happen? Obviously, you got the new coaching staff. Um, in, in New York, but you have lots of rebuilding going on and you still have the draft to come to fill exactly. out this AFC East. Um, but so far, what has been some of your your biggest signings that we haven't talked about so far? What are, what are some of your bigger signings so far? So you mentioned Carl Lawson, 26 years old, going from Cincinnati to the Jets for, on a $45 million total deal. So what does Cincinnati do to replace him? They signed 27-year-old Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans for a $60 million contract. Why, why didn't you just give that to Carl Lawson, who... Has shown to be, a, in my opinion, a, I know Trey Hendrickson had, what was it, 14 sacks last year or something ridiculous like that. He's a fantastic rusher. When you're playing opposite Cam Jordan with Demario Davis behind you, Mark, and that defense playing opposite Cam Jordan with those guys behind you, it's a lot easier to pile up sacks in a one year for a contract. Carl Lawson was your homegrown dude who could do a lot of similar things, and his quarterback hurries in particular is where Carl Lawson shines. He doesn't get as many sacks, but he people get nervous because they see him coming at him a lot more often than Trey Hendrickson, who isn't the most pressure centric type guy. So I think Cincinnati have been better off giving 50 million to Carl Lawson, as opposed to Trey Hendrickson. That's one that sticks out to me as far as what you're getting for what you paid. Yeah, definitely. And and I gotta be honest for me though, I'm looking at this Browns team and what they've been able to do. They filled every need to a T. Yeah. You talk about John Johnson, 
You also talk about Tack McKinley. I mean, what? <laughs> How do you get these two stills in, in in this in this this lineup? And then across the state, Cleveland or uh, Cincinnati has been doing the same thing. You know, signing Chidabe Awuzier. You know, you add in Riley Reef. You, you know, Mike Hilton coming in. I don't know who's done better right now, but honestly, that state of Ohio just got a whole hell of a lot more competitive just between the those AFC two teams. North, yeah, like the AFC North in general is probably like, oh, oh my, wait a yeah. minute. Now. You know the Steelers <laughs> are a little uneasy, even though they kept Juju. It's like, well, you still have plenty of other issues. Oh, God. Yeah, and losing Bud Dupree, obviously one of them. Um, that's a big that's one, a really. Big, it's a big deal the Titans paid for him, too, so that's interesting for a guy coming off an ACL injury who's kind of struggled throughout part of his career until TJ Watt really got going playing opposite TJ Watt this last year, but year and a half budget pre kind of, that's when you kind of start, started to see the guy come out of Kentucky. Everyone was talking about the $82.5 million deal, the second largest deal in free agency coming off an ACL injury. So good on that man for getting paid too. Yeah. And and Mike Hilton leaving that secondary to go to the Bengals as well. Um, which if I'm not mistaken, is a return for Mike Hilton to the Bengals. I, believe. I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure he was homegrown from the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. Was he? Okay. I can never remember the Hiltons, Hintons, that name. It, it, I can I always run them, run them together. But I yeah, could be no, wrong, but I think he was. It, it, you look at this AFC East and just everything they've done. is It's very interesting because, as you mentioned, the Steelers possibly lost the most so far without actually retooling anybody. Um, obviously, you said re-signing Juju is, is a big deal. But that's kind of crazy to look at. And then... Yeah, there's they haven't really done much to help themselves. I don't know if they're just planning on rebuilding through the draft, but it doesn't look promising right now from them. And then the Ravens too. You didn't really lose anyone. You kind of brought in some offensive line help, but they still need receiver help, honestly. And they haven't had a whole lot of luck. I know the Sammy Watkins just left there looking for a contract, didn't get anything. No luck bringing in a lot of these other guys. Like no luck with Kenny Galladay. No luck with Corey Davis. No luck with Will Fuller. They're probably gonna have to bring in some sort of offensive outside threat to go with Marquise Brown to help Lamar Jackson out. I know Lamar is more of a tight end inside passer, but you have to have something else out there. Yeah. So speaking of that, we'll move from who's signed to who hasn't signed. Who do you think would be a good fit there in Baltimore? Sammy Watkins, honestly, like I know we just <laughs> kind of mentioned it, but the way he gives them, he has the deep down the field threat. I know that had a little bit of injury history and has sometimes doesn't always show up with injuries as well as just what he was with Kansas City. There would be games where you didn't know he was there. But he still showed the ability to absolutely toast Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl and make plays throughout all the throughout all the playoff runs. He's still got it. He's a guy you throw the ball to him on a screen pass. He's a running back still when he's healthy. Yeah. Like he, you can do a lot with him, Lamar, Marquise Brown. Like He gives you a similar dynamic to Marquise Brown without giving you the exact same player. So obviously that's a big one. I think Kenny Galladay would have been the perfect fit. The big, strong red zone target who could just mossy and yeet all over people especially in the red zone but unfortunately that one didn't work out for them he's going to the giants which hello giants yeah. uh they're they're ready to roll we'll get to them in just a second but yeah i, I, mean, I have i i have a question for you for that one as well i look at, i look at the ravens and i think sammy Watkins is the best one obviously ty hilton's still out there too he's probably the best receiver on the market depending on what your preference is just his route running he could work with the ravens i just I feel like after we saw last year in a more run centric offense and then Philip Rivers, who's not a down the field thrower, we saw TY not used as well. And I think that's how it'll be in Baltimore. It'd be like having another Marquise Brown who's a little older, better route running, but slower at this point. So I don't think that's the best fit for TY Hilton, but a veteran receiver presence like that, like he'll work just about anywhere. But I look at Sammy Watkins, I think that's the best available one for the Ravens, just what he gives you and what you could do in that type of offense, like the Greg Roman offense. 
Kenny Galladay was the perfect fit, though. No doubt. No doubt. I, I think I can agree with you on that one. But obviously, Kenny Galladay signing with the Giants. Are there any excuses left for the Giants and Danny Dimes? If they don't win the NFC East and at least win one playoff game, is that a failure to you if you're the Giants? I don't know about a playoff game just because I think you kind of build towards that. You'd like to win a playoff game, but I think getting from a cellar dweller to tripping on after an 80-yard run to a playoff, that's a good step you feel comfortable taking. But like you said, Kenny Galladay now on the team to go with Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph at tight ends, Saquon Barkley returning, and I believe Wayne Gallman Jr. still on the roster. Yep. An improving offensive line, still some work to do, like Andrew Thomas, the left tackle they took last year. You imagine they're going to draft a tackle or an offensive lineman this year, just something more. You'd imagine, depending on who's there when they pick, if not. Sure, they'll go defense, which was underratedly good last year. Leonard Williams should have been a pro bowler. He yeah. got paid He got paid a bag, a well-deserved bag. Well-deserved, you, yes. And then you add in a Dory Jackson, a 26-year-old corner who has had his struggles, yes, but he is, he's still fast. He can still fly. He can still make plays as like a number two corner opposite James Bradbury. Like, yeah. Giants are looking honestly like right now before the draft and before everything cut the dust settles, it might be the favorite in the NFC East just looking at it because the Eagles are still still a mess. No idea what to think with them. Yeah. I don't like what Washington did bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick, signing William Jackson to a giant $40 million contract. Like, I don't really like what Washington did. I don't think they got any better. And I, what do you, is Ryan Fitzpatrick really going to give you more than Alex Smith did last year? I mean, maybe for two games, he'll throw for 400 random yards and come dressed out like Connor McGregor, and then he'll disappear again. Like, it's yeah. the Ryan Fitzpatrick storyline, basically. Yeah, and then give you a game and then maybe two and then fall off a cliff to never be found again. Pretty much, yeah. And then he'll have a random come off the bench and just fling it 50 yards while the Raiders face mask him and blow a coverage. So he looks so it's like the most heroic looking play ever when it's really <laughs> just the worst defense we've ever seen. But we'll see. I could be wrong with that one. I just they have so many playmakers and I, I like Curtis Samuel, but I don't know how they're going to utilize him. Like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas, who never thought I'd say Logan Thomas is a tight end, still, still, still weird to say. A yeah, dynamic one at that, too. Antonio Gibson. The Washington football team has so much, but I don't feel comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke, especially with Ron Rivera as the coach who's a defensive-minded coach. It's not like he's the type of guy who's used to making the most out of quarterbacks, if that makes sense. It's not like a quarterback guru like Kyle Shanahan or something like that. Yeah. So I'm questionable about them. And then the Cowboys, like, you got Dak back. You resigned him. You got the core receiver, running back, Amari Cooper, Zeke, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. My goodness, what a – a man amongst boys he already is the offensive lines we'll have to see how tyron smith and can get back healthy they still haven't replaced travis frederick zach martin i think he's still elite we'll see how the injuries plan him that defense my lord that defense has some work to do after last year there's a lot of work to do on that defense so in my opinion the giants as of today before the dust is settled before free agency is even more than nine days old really i think the giants are should be the leader in the nfc east assuming danny dimes doesn't get any worse I know I was hard on him last year, but there's no excuse now. Yeah, no, you have all the receivers in the world. Barring injury, barring major injury, I, I feel like there is no excuse to this one. And depending on who the injury is to, if it's to Sterling Shepard, you still have no excuses. Now, if it's to himself, it's if it's actually to Danny Dimes, then okay, you have a very valid excuse you got injured. Although they did win against Seattle with Colt McCoy last year too, so at that point, yeah. It's, well, that's the difference. Colt McCoy knows how to use his weapons. I don't think Daniel... Daniel Jones has really learned that yet. Um, well, once he can, you know, not trip on the 20-yard line, then we'll get there. Yeah, exactly. One thing at a time. High-stepping first and then learning how to use your weapons. 
Right um, foot, but, left foot. Yeah. One other contract I want to talk about that, that was signed, obviously, that I was just looking at. And this one's kind of strange to me. Obviously, he's been he was the number one free agent going into all this. I'm talking about Trent Williams. <sighs> re-signing with the Niners. Not just but resigning. like Thanos and like Gamora in the movie, at what cost? Everything. Yeah. This dude is 33 years old. And the 49ers signed him to a six-year, 138.06 million dollar contract. That pays five million total guaranteed. Yeah, pays him 32.4 million in year one. It's essentially broken into two parts: 60.75 million to start with a three-year, 77.31 million dollar option. The 49ers can exercise by April 1st, 2023. And if exercised, Trent Williams will become the most, or 2023 pay will become mostly guaranteed. So there's your little alternate, you know, pay, obviously not fully guaranteed thing. But let's say this whole six-year thing comes about. He'll be 39 years old as an offensive tackle in the NFL. Who has had some health issues in the NFL as well, too, and some health scares and that sort of thing, too. Not like he's been the ultimate Iron Man. Exactly. So... My question to you is, Is this was this too much for the Niners, or do they need to do this to assure themselves going forward to at least that 2023 mark before obviously exercising that? Do you think this was a, a short-term deal to maybe sure him up for the next three years and make him think maybe it's going to be a longer term and then just cut him? Or do you think they actually might be duped into this whole six-year contract? I'm torn because Trent Williams is one of my favorite tackles I've ever seen play. He's one of the most athletically gifted ones. Like his combine performance, go back and look at it. Anyone could go back and look. It is legendary. Yeah. Very few guys can match that as an offensive lineman. Although, teasing ahead to our draft coverage coming up too. There is a left tackle who had a pro day recently who had a very similar type pro day who I think is going to shoot up my player ranking board too. Yeah. Just throwing that out there now too because my goodness, since we're talking about impressive offensive lineman pro days. Exactly. Just had to throw that out there too. But Trent Williams, <laughs> one of the – when he's playing, he's might be the best left tackle in football, if not top three, four. Like he's absolutely fantastic. Anyone was willing to sign his services come free agency. That might be why the Niners felt they had to pay so much. Like, all right, we can't let him go. We can't replace him. And at the same time, they don't want to risk somebody else overpaying him. So I guess they overpaid, if that makes sense. Like betting it significantly against themselves. So not 100% sure I probably wouldn't have done that if I was them, especially for the six years for a 33-year-old, maybe three years, six. I, I, I don't know. That's tough for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, look, I think this is. I think this was a deal. I think they, the Niners, it looks bad. You signed a 33-year-old to six years. However, that, that big incentive to the three-year mark, that 2023 mark, if they don't exercise it by that day, they don't have to worry about the back end. I think that's a very good contract for the I think Niners. at that point it is too. It's just it's very interesting. Like yeah. You know you know that uh that Trent Williams has something in there as like a cover cover your own butt sort of thing as well, too. Yeah, I think they is. both have cover your butt incentives. I'm just curious whose butt is better covered by the when this thing shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'll say this Trent Williams on let's just say you take the three years, and as you mentioned, fifty five million guaranteed. That by itself is a fantastic contract. You take I mean, that, you, for what he you gives you that. when he's healthy, yeah, one hundred percent. He's he's worth it. I mean, that's honestly, I'd say that's a steal for the Niners. Even the sixty point seven for three years, still for the Niners. 
it's just that extra three years when he's 37, 38, 39 that scares me. I hope the Niners don't get trip trip go don't, don't get duped into 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 signing that three year contract. Um, just because I, I think that will that will kill him on the back end. But I do think this is a good thing to get them to hold over. They still have a lot of young pieces on this line, Mike McGlinchey being one of them, the opposite tackle, really. Um, and and he's a fantastic player. It's getting everybody healthy and getting everybody on the on the same page and then transitioning Trent Williams out. It's kind of the plan I see for the Niners going forward. Um, but I do think this contract, on if you just read the, the title, six years, $137 million, you're like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, but that that stip- stipulation with the three year mark is, is kind of a big deal that I think leads me to be like, okay, this isn't as bad as I originally thought, but it's still not great, you know. Absolutely too. And if he's healthy, he'll be worth it. Honestly, if he can stay healthy, the question is the health thing, of course, too. One hundred percent for that for those first three years. All right. So now we have a couple minutes left. So DJ, we're gonna play a little game. I'm gonna name off, we'll say ten free agents, real quick fire. Go ahead and tell me where you think the most likely place they are to sign. However, also give me their dark horse for where they can sign. Okay, but you'll also have to answer them back too, because I'm curious if we have some difference. We're gonna we're gonna go back and forth on some. Don't you put me only in the fire. This fire is going back and forth. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so we'll start with probably the highest ranked still available, Jadavian Clowney. That's a that's a good one. So a team that needs edge rushers is basically what you're saying. Dark horse. I'm gonna start with them first, even though they've signed a lot of pieces. Why not Cleveland? Get somebody opposite Miles Garrett. Tack McKinley could come in as your third down rusher since he's a smaller guy or even play an outside backer on rushdowns too. They do need some linebacker help. Then you have Jadavian kick Miles Garrett inside in the 4-3. Then have then have Tack on the outside. Good luck, Ben. Good luck, uh, Lamar. Good luck, Joe Burrow. Yeah, definitely. And another really, really good likely signing for him. That's, that's a good one. I'm going to say San Francisco, honestly. Okay. I think him, right. Nick Bosa, like there's J- Javon Kinlaw. They they were trying to rebuild that what they had during that Super Bowl run with the defensive line. They haven't been able to really recapture it. Solomon Thomas just left too. They lost to Forrest Buckner last year. Why not bring him in for a cheap deal? And he'll help with the run defense too. And they clearly have shown that injuries do not avoid them at all. So the more you, the more you can have at this point. Yeah, I, I can see that. So I think my favorite for Jadavian is probably going to be the Steelers. Um, losing Bud Dupree, obviously that opens up a – hole right there on the edge he's not as dynamic so you can't really you know run him in the zone coverage as they used to they they would do with bud debris but i do think he fits what you want for the pass rusher standpoint i love it i just are you gonna rush him in tj every play that's the only question yeah I that's and that's the issue that maybe you slide him inside and then you you bring in a linebacker down for the coverage downs you kind of give away your hand at that, that point but it could be an interesting change i do like it though i do like that just being the opposite guy tj watt like and then Sticking with the Watt theme, my dark horse is Arizona. Because yeah, that, that pass rush, oh my. Yeah, you add that, you add Clowney into that pass rush. Whether you get Clowney that kills a man at Michigan or you get Clowney that is just a really good player, either way, that's a very vastly improved Arizona team that's terrifying. On passing downs, you have him, JJ Watt, and Chandler Jones when Chandler Jones comes back healthy. That's a pretty formidable three man rush. Exactly. That's like the best pass rush of 2017 that you could ask for, honestly. No doubt. So moving on from Jadavian, let's go offensive line real fast. Mitchell Schwartz, probably one of the best offensive linemen available. Um, However, there are retirement whispers, but let's say he doesn't retire. 
and health concerns too. Yeah, exactly. And health concerns. He did have a back injury that required surgery in February of this year. So there's that question mark too. But given all is healthy, where does he sign and who's the dark horse to pick him up? Dark horse, I'm gonna say the Cowboys. I think we mentioned I mentioned they could use a little bit of help on the offensive line, get a tackle opposite Tyron Smith, opposite Zach on the same side as Zach Martin, a guy who could probably swing tackle. He's healthy too. If Tyron gets hurt, they need to help that offensive line. You just invested the farm in Dak Prescott. Keep that man upright at all costs. Yeah. But I think the best spit fit is still Kansas City. You saw what happened in the Super Bowl when they were down tackles and they tried to reshuffle the offensive line. You brought in Joe Tooney. You paid him a King's ransom. Smart. You yeah. bring back Mitchell Schwartz. When he was healthy, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was never pressured off his front side. Like yeah. Mitchell Schwartz was an absolute lockdown behemoth on the front side. It's the injury concerns down the stretch and missing the Super Bowl that kind of killed him. So I say Kansas City and Dallas are the two teams for him. I got to agree with you on Dallas being the dark horse. I think him sliding in on the opposite side of Tyron, being the front side tackle, I think that's a fantastic spot for him. Um, I, and, you know, as long as health concerns are not there. Although with health concerns, he fits in perfectly with the rest of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line with mm-hmm. health concerns. Um, so maybe not such a bad spot. But I think a favorite might actually be the Green Bay Packers. Um, you talk about how the, who the, all the t- all the players they lost in free agency. They lost three offensive linemen that are high quality offensive linemen, and David Bakhtiari tore his Achilles, so he's out for the rest of the season. So if all if Mitchell Schwartz can get back and healthy for the regular season, he can fill in that spot for Bakhtiari, and that yeah. can get you through until Bakhtiari. And then once you have Bakhtiari and you have Mitchell Schwartz on the team and they're both healthy, take both your games. pick. You'll you'll be good. And I so think that, you'll have to rush up the middle since Corey Lindley's now gone. Don't know. Still don't know why the Packers just let him walk, but that's a different story. Yeah, exactly. That's a different one. All right. So offensive line, defensive line, we've had both. Now let's go to a little bit of a skill. And I know this one might hurt you to talk about, but we got to talk about him because he is the best wide receiver available right now. T Y Hilton, the ghost. So I don't know if anyone's been on Twitter recently, but literally the trend bring T Y home was trending for like two days straight. I've, you have a new quarterback who fits your skill set, and Carson Wentz come in, who's a down the field thrower with an absolute gun of an arm. T.Y. Hilton's a down the field threat. What him and Andrew in their heyday, arguably the best deep ball tandem in the league, top five, you could say. Yeah. I mean, winning playoff games with sixty yard bombs and whatnot. So, <laughs> yeah. and now you have Michael Pittman. They have a lot of young players like Michael Pittman. If Paris Campbell comes back healthy, they could use that true veteran number one receiver presence. We saw down the stretch last year, even with Phil Rivers' kind of noodle fifty year old arm down the stretch. He still found a way to make plays and he gives you that veteran leader. So I think sticking with the Colts would be his safest bet. Like not his safest bet, but like the best, the best overall fit, the dark horse team. There's been rumors that Kansas city is interested in, but I think the dark horse team would be Kansas city, a little bit more North in green Bay. They yeah. need another receiver opposite Devonte Adams because Aaron Rodgers can't throw Devonte Adams every single play. Well, he can until the NFC championship game. It seems like that's when teams will finally figure it out. But if you put T.Y. Hilton with his veteran savvy leadership, route running, ability to still get loose on the opposite side with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who came on a little bit, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers and him will get along real nice-like. Exactly. So I'm actually with you. Obviously, Colts are my favorite um, for him to return to just because it just makes too much sense not to. Um, And then my dark horse, I'm actually going a little bit different than you. I'm going to go to Tua and the Dolphins. Ooh, even with them signing Will Fuller. Even with them signing Will Fuller, could you imagine Will Fuller on one side, T.Y. on the other? What about you, Devontae Parker? Hey, Devontae Parker's often injured, but Devontae Parker would play the outside. Will, Will Fuller, Fuller probably <laughs> slot T.Y. or slot. 
uh, you know, take your pick at who you want to put at slot. Either option is a good option. Um, if you do probably. that, though, do you draft a receiver if you're the Dolphins then, or do you do this so you can also open up that third pick a little bit more? That's the goal. That would be my goal with it. Um, but that's why they're a dark horse. Obviously, it's not a favorite <laughs> option, but it is a dark horse. Interesting. I like it. And then him and Jacoby reuniting, too, when Jacoby eventually takes over. That could be interesting. Exactly. Now, a little bit of a different position. We're going nose tackle. Daquan Jones, nose tackle. That's a good one. He's a tough fit because the Titans scheme asked him to do a lot that didn't show up in the box score, but he did it all very well. So he can fit into a lot of different schemes. And like I said, he's a nose tackle is what he's listed, but defensive tackle is really what he is. You know, this is a weird one, but I like him on Green Bay. Uh, they have a The Smith brothers were a one-hit wonder, and now they're kind of meh. Kenny Clark got paid, and he was here in flashes. Their run defense was pitiful last year. Stick him in the middle of that defense, but Kenny Clark is like a 3-4 DN slash inside tackle when you go two tackles. I think that solves a lot of their run issues real quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah. And I think a dark horse team for them, ooh, that's that's a tough one, but I'm going to go with Jacksonville. They've been spending a decent amount of money, and you got Josh Allen as a defensive end too. Why not bring him in there when you have Derrick Henry in that division, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, as well as now Philip Lindsay on Houston and whoever else Houston trots out there. They're like five deep at running back now too. Yes, Probably the yes. best running back division in the in football, arguably when you look at it top to bottom. So why not bring in someone in there to just be like, all right, take up space and hopefully free up Josh Allen for some one-on-ones. Yeah, no, I think I think for me though, my favorite, yeah, I'm going to go to the AFC West and I'm going to actually go with the Raiders. They do need a lot of, they need defensive help in all shapes and forms. That is true. Exactly. You can kind of pick a position defensively and you're going to have an opportunity to fill a hole. And I think one thing John Gruden wants, he wants that big guy in the middle to just sure up the run game. And Daquan Jones does it fantastically. But I'm also with you on Jacksonville, but they're my dark horse as that pick. Because again, like you said, they're filling in a lot of holes through free agency and they're not afraid to spend the money. We already know where their number one pick's going to be. We, the question mark is that second pick in the dra- in the first round. And if they can get a defensive tackle, a nose tackle to fill that spot, take your pick. And they're already talking about running a 3-4 this year. So that is a very interesting aspect to, to change to if you don't have a nose tackle. And if you get a nose tackle like Daquan Jones, it solves a lot of your problems. Absolutely. And to go with your Raiders thing too, they just signed Yannick and Dockway too, who I think having a nose tackle inside with him and being opposite Max Crosby, that'll help him revive a little bit of his career that took a bit of a dive last year. It was not what we expected from one of the guy who's been a premier pass rusher the, the majority of his career. Yeah. So we're going to end this one with one guy who we, I think we both agree should have been a Super Bowl MVP, James White, free agent. He's just outside. He's just on the top side of the top 100 free agents available at the beginning of the free agency, listed at number 95. Where do you think James White ends up as a favorite, and where do you think his dark horse is? The favorite, unfortunately, I think this is such low hanging fruit, but I feel like Tampa Bay is the favorite, especially <laughs> since Leonard Fournette's kind of out there, not available. Ronald Jones, he can be explosive, but the injury concern as well to him, and you didn't really use him at all down the stretcher in the Super Bowl. Yeah. James White and Tom Brady, that's. There's a, there's a chemistry there. There's definitely some kind of chemistry there. So I, I like that fit too, as well. I just Tom Brady and James White, that's all that needs to be said. Really? That's, that's my simple version of it. A dark horse, which it would make sense, but I, he wouldn't get utilized. Right. But I'm still going to say it'd be a dark. It would make sense too. have him going to Seattle, joining Chris Carson and going up there with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson has the deep targets in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We know Russell Wilson throws it deep every play because he can't see all, over the offensive line. 
So he has to scramble around and chuck it deep because he can't see the intermediate routes. But you give him James White, a guy that's like one, two, three. Oh, wow, both safeties are deep. Okay, swing past the James White. Oh, out of the backfield, line him up, smoke linebackers on underneath against cover three or any Texas routes out of the backfield table routes. Like he gives him, he gives Russell Wilson something to do besides chuck it deep. And there would be no other excuse. Like, oh, they're blitzing. I, oh, God, there's your dump off. There's your answer. Yeah. No, Obviously, offensive line is their biggest issue, but we're working our way there because we know Seattle doesn't do offensive line. Exactly. No, I'm with you on that one, actually. I do like, I do like the Tampa Bay matchup with James White. I do think that's a very simple. Straightforward, low-hanging fruit. As to continue my low-hanging fruit process with a lot of my picks, obviously, the simplest answer sometimes is the best answer. A dark horse, though. And I might get thrown to the wolves for this one. I don't know. You will. But (laughs) I actually have two because I can't pick between the two of them. Oh, here we go. I'm giving you an NFC and an AFC. Give me the Jets in the AFC, and give me the Niners in the NFC. The Niners, for me, I feel like they do so well with multiple running backs, and James White provides them that aspect of having a guy who can be an every-down back along with a scat back out of the backfield. And with the Jets, all of the above and more to help calm down Sam Darnold in situations where you need a quick dump off where you are seeing ghosts or you're seeing something that's not there. James White is a very great emergency option. It's just what made him so great with Tom Brady is the, the, the moment somebody would blitz six, seven, eight, and they're only blocking five James White's wide open in the flats and gains 20 yards. I think James White's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield makes him an asset to a lot of teams, but I do think the jets and, and Niners to me, they they both have the same issue. They have a quarterback who is, eh, sometimes, you know, where they're just not really, they're seeing ghosts or they're just not comfortable in the pocket. They need that safety blanket in a receiver running back, really. Somebody who's experienced catching the ball and just getting yards and not trying to dance too much. Well, since you got to do two teams, my second team would for the AFC side would be Pittsburgh for a lot of the same reasons. All they can do is throw slants and vertical routes, basically. Ben Roethlisberger is 1,000 years old and his arm deteriorates, and they were the worst team as far as running the football last year. James White can provide you some running as well as, oh, they double-teamed Juju slant route. Well, all right, I'll throw it to the flat really quick. Yeah. No, I, I do like the Steelers. That was also another another candidate for Dark Horse. Um, but I, I do get that as, lot, as well. I just couldn't pick. I just I can't do it. You know, sometimes he could fit literally every single offense if you wanted to. It really, yeah. James White is that good. I, I why he's ranked at just that high in the top 100. I, I guess it's just because of last year with Cam. Who knows? But you know what? I think it's disrespect to James White. He should have been a Super Bowl MVP. I will die on that hill. I won't be on the hill, and I won't die. But I will agree with you. <laughs> but yeah. So that does it for us today, guys. Obviously, there's a whole lot still left to come in free agency. We will continue our coverage of free agency in the coming weeks, as well as March Madness in the coming weeks. And guys, again, if you didn't already hear it already, this Saturday, March 27th, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, we will be live on ColorCast to call UFC 260 the main card. Obviously, Volkanovski is no longer fighting due to COVID issues. So the main event will be Steve Miocic versus Francis Ngannou, which... I mean, by itself is, uh, okay, sign me up. And then there's a couple more fights on this card that are just absolutely fantastic to watch, that to expect, um, to get a, get a spectacle from. We, we should have a great spectacle to call for you guys. And 
And as we mentioned, it will happen during the last game on Saturday for March Madness. So while you're watching that March Madness game, tune over into us and and you can catch a, catch the UFC game, UFC match. And you don't have to spend money on that pay-per-view. How's that exactly. sound, DJ? We'll, we'll, we'll break it down for them. We'll, we'll make you feel like you're there at the same time, too. And you could jump in the comment section, hang out with us, talk a little trash, wherever you want to do, too. We're, we're here to hang out. Exactly. So it'll be a lot of fun, guys. So be sure to tune in for that. And DJ, any last words? Not a whole lot. Just it's a fun time in sports. There's a lot going on, minus March Madness. I'm still sad about that. But it's a great time to be a sportsman. I look forward to some of our upcoming episodes that we have to come. March Madness. The, 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 we're going to change the name to March Sadness. At least that'll be the name for our uh, our episode when we upload it for sure. So March Sadness coming to you soon. <laughs> but guys, we will see you guys soon. And until next time, see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.